Well, hey, Heritage. I want to welcome the Rock Island family. I want to greet our Bentendorf family and those tuning in online. You know, Scripture says that the Lord inhabits the praise of His people. Another portion of Scripture says that when just two gather in His name, that He's there. And that's one of the reasons I love the gathering of God's people. It's because He's here. And I continue to be amazed at how He is going before us, especially in our Bold Move initiatives, every time we step in obedience. I want to let you know that we're launching our next campus at the Kwani Correctional Center on March 6th. The inmates are there. The team's ready. We're commissioning that team next week. It's an exciting season for us. Our work at the Thurgood Marshall School and Jefferson School continue to roll. In fact, all of our nine initiatives continue to have movement. Eight of those have been in process for a while. One of them is what we're calling our next bold move, and that centers around the acquisition of a building to serve as the hub of the movement God's calling us to. And I... I got to let you know that God continues to open door after door after door. It's like we're riding this wave of favor. And I, I look forward to updating you on where we're at in the next few weeks. But I want to take a moment now just to say thank you for those of you who have prayed and are stepping in obedience to whatever God's asked you to do. That is the most basic expression of who we seek to be as a church, a people who listen and obey. All the bold moves are an expression of that. And as people continue to, to listen and obey, I want to invite all of us to continue to pray fervently that God would go before us. Use that river rock as a constant reminder of just praying and asking God to go before us because we're committed to doing anything and everything he asks. So I just want to reaffirm my ask of you to continue to pray. It's important because he is going before us, but there's still more to come. Now, this weekend, though, we're stepping into launching a five-week journey around a teaching method of Jesus. There are just certain times we bump into a truth so deep, a, a hope so profound that we need a special way to articulate it. And for Jesus, that was the parables. Now, I want to alleviate any confusion up front and be clear that we are not talking about a pair of bulls. We're not talking about bovine. I understand that Jesus' teaching was very moving. See what I did there? Oh, you like it. I know you do. Now, we're not talking about bovine, and we're not talking about another great pair of bulls, which will be Jordan and Pippin. We're talking about a very specific way that Jesus chose to help us learn, how he chose to share about the kingdom of God with everyone who would listen. We're talking about parables. And a parable is a simple story with a spiritual truth. First, fill in if you're tracking with your note guy today. It's a simple story with a spiritual truth. A spiritual what? truth. Now, some people say earthly story with a heavenly truth, or that it describes something deep with something simple. But it's the merging of the physical and the spiritual, and it is a simple story with a spiritual truth. And, and the parables of Jesus dealt in truth. They, they revealed it. They, they proclaimed it. They preserved it. They even extracted the acknowledgement of it from us. And sometimes they were long and sometimes they were short. Sometimes they were comforting and other times alarming. At times they were very veiled and others very clear and direct. Some were explained, some not explained, but they were all important. Simple stories that led to a deeper truth. Stories that positioned the physical world to bear witness to the spiritual world. And those parables, the things that Jesus talked about, were, they were very common to his teaching, very common form of teaching for him. 
Roughly, roughly a third of his recorded teachings are in the form of parables. We find them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but there are none in John. Primarily because the target audience in the book of John were the Greeks and not the Jews. Now, if we're still not clear about what a parable is, the word itself helps us understand. The word parable literally means to lay alongside of. It comes from the Greek word parabole, which is from two other Greek words. I, I kind of feel like Gus Portacalis. It comes around the Greek word, you know, big fat Greek wedding. All right, never mind. The, it comes from two other Greek words, balo, which means to throw or cast, and para, which is a preposition of meaning alongside. So it creates this literal context of laying alongside for comparison. It's, it's the idea of metaphor. And Jesus used lots of different forms of that metaphor and illustration in his use of parables. He, he, he used money, he used political realities, he used social settings, he used agricultural realities. And some of those, as I said, were very clear, very direct, and some were not so clear. Yet, repeatedly, he gave his disciples the opportunity to draw in a bit closer and to understand what he was saying at a deeper level. And, and in a way, that's exactly what this series is designed to do, to help us get a closer look. And this weekend is laying the foundation for the rest of that journey for how we do that. So let's, let's get right to it. Now, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, first book of the New Testament, most of the scriptures are in your note guide. They will be up here on the screen. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And, and we're picking up the story for Jesus in a spot where he's in his public phase of ministry. He, he's in public ministry. He's, he's been teaching for a bit. We're picking up the story right after he has been inside teaching. It's actually where he declared that those who do the will of my father are, are my brother and sister and mother. And he's gone outside now. And he tried to sit by the Sea of Galilee, but there was too big of a crowd. So he hopped in a boat. He pushed off from shore and he began to teach. And scripture says he taught them with many parables, one of which was the parable of the sower. Now, we're going to look at that parable at another point later in the series. But what I want to look at today is what happened exactly after that, right after that. Because the disciples ask a question. So let's take a look. We're, we're looking specifically at starting in verse 10 in Matthew chapter 13. And this kind of happens right in the middle of everything else that's going on. So let's take a look at verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Now this is, that's a legitimate question. It's a reasonable question. And he goes on to answer. Here's what he says. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, at this point, it's like, wait a second, what? It's almost like I can see Peter turning to James going, did he just answer this in a parable? Did he do the old answer question in the form of a question moment? And I'm pretty sure at this point, they're not satisfied. But before they can get too far down in that thinking, Jesus goes on to tell them why. He actually says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them." Now, if you just imagine for a moment the disciples who came over and asked that simple question, I'm pretty sure they didn't go, 
Oh, okay, that's really clear now. Because it's not clear. This is a very challenging scripture. It's even hard for us at this point, looking back many years later, to really wrap our head around what he's saying in this moment. Because on the surface, it seems like Jesus is saying, I speak this to prevent people from ever understanding, to make sure they never know the truth. But that's not what's happened here. See, he uses parables for those who can understand, so that those who can't understand actually will. See, Jesus didn't use parable to institute or bring blindness. Jesus didn't use parables to create blindness, but to remove it. He didn't use parables to institute some blindness for us, but to actually remove it, to overcome it. He didn't, he didn't speak in parables to blind people, but because we were already blind. And in teaching parables, Jesus actually offers his listeners an option to either, one, dig deep and find truth, or to simply listen to an interesting story and walk away. That the parables of Jesus weren't simply stories that made hard truth more accessible to everyone that heard them. They were actually a means of presenting truth so that spiritually sensitive people could engage at a deeper level of understanding, while at the same time making sure the hard-hearted who would only ever hear an interesting story or simple story could avoid greater condemnation by rejecting that truth. The, he was not hiding truth, but framing it in a manner where those who had eyes to see and ears to hear, the spiritually sensitive, could actually hear and see. Look, when we, when we hear something, it's by chance. It just happens and we hear it. Hearing doesn't mean we're actually actively paying attention. You can all hear me right now. It doesn't mean any of you are paying attention to me right now. Hearing is different than listening. Listening is active. Listening is how we engage with what we hear. And parents, you know there's a difference between hearing and listening. I mean, come on. Many times I told my boys, I said, you're hearing me, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. You with me, parents? There's a difference between hearing and listening. And as parents, we try to position our kids to move from just hearing to listening, to, to growing and developing in their skills and abilities as they move from hearing to listening. In a similar way, Jesus didn't use parables to create blindness, but to remove it, to free us from blindness. He, he did it to help us. Look, when I... When I interact with my boys and I try to teach them a new thing or move them to a new level in a subject or a skill, I gauge their readiness for that. I don't just throw them into the thing and just let them figure it out. It's, here's a simple example, like tying their shoes. I didn't just, for the first time, say, go tie your shoes, and if they couldn't figure it out, let them walk around with their shoes untied, tripping and falling down. I invited them into a process based on their readiness, and I engaged and disengaged so that they could actually learn. If I tied their shoes all the time, they'd still be walking around waiting for me to tie their shoes. There's a process of gauging readiness. In a similar way, teaching them to swim. I didn't just take my boys and throw them in the deep end like, hey, figure it out. Started in the shallow end, worked through skills, worked through comfort in the water, and over time, as I gauged their readiness to get to the next level, released them into that. And in a way, parables gauge the readiness and willingness of the listener. Where spiritually sensitive people can go from just hearing and listen to listening, where they engage the heart and not just the mind. And Jesus was not hiding truth, but inviting those with eyes to see and ears to hear, 
those who are spiritually sensitive, to go deeper, to learn, not just to know. And part of what Jesus did in his response to the disciples is that he referenced Isaiah chapter 6. He says, look, I, I speak to them in parables because they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Now again, on the surface, that seems like Jesus is saying, I speak this way to prevent people from ever understanding. I speak this way to make sure they never know the truth. But that's not what's happening here. Take a look with me at verses 16 and 17 in Matthew 13. He says this, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Now, most often when people read that, they think that something was only just withheld. But there's actually an implied truth here, that it was possible, that the truth was able to be seen, able to be heard, but it wasn't. And parables don't hide truth. They frame it in a manner where those with eyes to see and ears to hear can actually see and hear. Jesus didn't use parables to create blindness, but to actually overcome it. But there's another way for us to approach this interaction with the understanding that Jesus was not the only rabbi to teach in parables. When we think about this, in reality, Jesus didn't invent parables while he was here on earth, he, although he did master them and master their use. They were a common teaching tool for rabbis. So when the disciples asked the question in verse 10, is it possible that the emphasis is not so much on the word parables as it was on you? Why do you speak to the people in parables? I mean, if that's the case, in a way, saying, why do you metaphorically speak like other rabbis? Why don't you just tell them who you are? Why do you teach in parables? If that's the case, if so, then for me, this gives even greater clarity to Jesus' response. Because Jesus was very clear up to this point not to prematurely reveal his identity as Messiah. More than once, he told the people he interacted with and healed not to tell anybody. Most recently was chapter 12 in Matthew, verse 16. And that caution was not about hiding, but about timing. It was about timing and space for him to accomplish his mission and timing and space so that people would have their best chance to believe. So if the disciples asked the question based on their understanding that he was Messiah, then Jesus' answer would also be based on the same thing, his messianic identity. So then his answer and the reference out of Isaiah makes even more sense. Look, there's a British evangelist and preacher and theologian named George Campbell Morgan. He said this. He said, Jesus used the parabolic method, not in order to blind them, but in order to make them look again. Not in order to prevent them coming to forgiveness, but in order to lure them toward a new attention. It's to look again. Parables are really more like puzzles and riddles than a simple illustration. We have to know how to approach them in order to understand them. A good teacher can state a truth and then find some example to make it more understandable. But what Jesus did with parables was more than that. Jesus used parables to present a doorway. A doorway where he positioned all of his audience, everyone who could hear him, he positioned them at the entrance to the doorway. And those who were willing to have eyes to see and ears to hear could enter through that doorway and engage with the truth that was transformational. 
But those who were not willing to have eyes to see and ears to hear, not willing to go through the, the parable and enter into the truth in a new way, stayed on the outside, and they were ever hearing and never perceiving. Yet for everyone who was willing to step through the doorway of the parable and into proximity to the truth and to wrestle and experience that truth in a new way, they were transformed. Parables were doorways. And anyone who was not willing to engage and listen in the way that they could step through the doorway into truth in a new way was always hearing and never perceiving. If we go back to Matthew 13, verses 16 and 17, when Jesus says, hey, you guys, you're blessed. Your eyes because they see, your ears because they hear. In a way, he's saying, look, you guys have been willing to walk through at least one doorway. You've stepped through and engaged. You're ready for more. I'm willing to give you more. But listen, people who are not following me, people who have not yet stepped into relation to me, everyone else needs to choose to walk through, lean into it, to, to not look away or walk away. Because those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they can be filled. If you want more, you can receive more, but you've got to enter in. And the reality is that understanding requires entering. Understanding requires entering. It requires, requires engaging. Parables provide us an opportunity to understand. They are pathways to deeper truth. And Jesus did not use them to blind, but to make us look again. Not to prevent understanding, but to elicit greater understanding, greater engagement, to move from simply hearing to actually listening. And the basic principle of what's happening in that dynamic happens every time we gather on a weekend. Anytime you come into the space of the people of God and you worship and we sit in God's word and we study and you leave from this space with something from the Lord, at least 50% of that is because you were willing to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I have to do my part. The ministry team needs to do its part to make sure we limit obstacles and, and distractions. But the ability to gather with God's people and leave from that space with something from the Lord is at least 50% because you are willing to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Understanding requires entering. And entering and engaging parables requires intentionality. So how do we do that? How, how do we study parables? There's lots of methods, there's lots of different questions, there's different ways to approach them. But the reality is when we engage with any part of God's word, observing, interpreting, and applying is the basic foundation for, for actually understanding what his word is saying. But when it comes to the parables, there are six common basic questions that are the, the best filter, I think, for understanding what Jesus meant in a parable. And they're easily memorable. You know them. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Say them with me. Who, what, when, where, why, how. It's just that simple. One way to engage and enter into the parables. Now, whenever you read scripture, you always want to pray first. You always want to actually read what the Bible says. But as you engage the parables, ask these questions. But let me explain what I mean by these questions. Because the first one is really the question of who. Who is it directed to? Who is Jesus actually talking to? We need to know the audience. Any communicator needs to know the audience when they speak so that it can be effective. And, if, and in a way, we're joining into a conversation and we need to understand the context. When we join in a conversation, we need to do it the right way. When we do it the wrong way, it's weird. It's kind of like the guy that crashes cell phone calls at the airport and he sits down next to strangers. Let me, let me show you what I mean. You know, I'm just... Flight's taking off in a minute. So they gave you what, antibiotic? Yeah, I took an antibiotic. Uh, I think I'm gonna be fine. They didn't give you nothing. No, they, they didn't. They didn't give me anything actually. Now that I think about it. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling pretty good. Looking forward to this flight. I'm gonna go be with family. 
Nice to be with family over the holidays. Yeah. No, my flight's a little delayed. Yeah, baby, and I need you to go to Macy's. Macy's? What do you need at Macy's? I need you to go to Macy's. What, what can I get at Macy's for you, baby? I'm not joking. I'm going to text it to you. Great. Text it to me, and then I'll, I'll go no, there for you. you have to. I will. Just get some hand sanitizer, excuse me. There we go. Um, you're just going to be recording some music, actually. Oh, they're all going to be there? Yeah, they're all going to be there. It's going to be great. Who are you going with? We're going to go with Susan and Jorge and Dolores. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, love getting together with those guys. Did you go with Alvin? Yeah, I did. We, we went together and... It was great. It was really excellent. So they had a place there? Yeah, they had a place, and uh, we got to hang out there in his place. They gave you a day off from work? Yeah, I'm off right now, actually, for Christmas. So that's why I'm traveling. What is it, the, the time, you know, the... <laughs> time difference? Time zones. The time to the time zones. Well, what's your sure. problem? What's that? What's your problem? No, no, I was talking to my friend about the time zones. See, the time zones, there's a time difference there. Sorry, it's a little hard to hear you over all the announcements. It's loud in here. I said I can barely hear you over all the announcements. It's loud here. I'll Google it. I'll look it up right now. Hang on a second. I'm, I'm sorry, what? I couldn't hear you. I was Googling it. I ended up having to pay 200 bucks for the flight. 200 bucks? Oh man, that's a lot. What? I said that's a lot. 200 bucks. Are you talking to, huh? talking to me? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm on the phone with my buddy. He just had to pay 200 bucks for a flight. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. That is, uh, that's a lot of extra fees. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay? Great. Yeah, you do that. And I'll do the other thing. I'll Google it. I'm not gonna be mad at you. Don't be mad at me. There's no reason to do that. Okay, I love you. I love you too. I think you're great. Okay. Oh, hilarious! Listen, if, if you're joining or listening in on a conversation, you gotta do it the right way, or it's it's weird if you don't. And in the parables, we're joining and listening in in a conversation. Look, by show of hands, how many of you ever had a conversation with somebody only to find out later they had an earpiece in their ear and they were on the phone with somebody you didn't realize they were talking to? Okay, yeah, it happens. When you're joining and listening into a conversation, you've got to do it the right way or it's weird. And parables are an opportunity to listen in on a conversation, to join in that conversation, and you need to know who. If you don't know who, it gets weird. It also gets weird if you don't know the other questions. So that leads us to what? What, what about the kingdom is what we're asking about. What? What does it say about God's kingdom? It's the, it's, the kingdom's the primary focus in the parable, so what does it reveal about his way, his priorities, his purposes for us, even, even now, even here today? That's the what piece. When we get to when, we're really asking what's the context. Well, parables are told in historical context. So Jesus draws on culture. He draws on historical events. We need to ask when is it set? When is the context historically and culturally? That dovetails into the where question. Where does this parable fall in the narrative? What happened right before? What happens after? It's important to understand where it occurs. If you know the context, it will help you understand the main point of the parable. What just happened before? What was said after? We're joining a conversation. We're not just eavesdropping. Number five is the why question. Why did he tell it? What prompted it? Why did he say it the way he did? What details are in there? 
Not every detail has special and separate or unique meaning, but many times they do, and the surprise details often do. But why did he tell it? And then sixth, finally, is the how. How how do we apply this? How do we take the truth, the lesson? What's the practical application? How do we live as a result of the truth we've just learned through that parable? You see, parables are more transformational than informational. They're not just stories to entertain, they are doorways. And if we want to understand the truth, we need to ask God to help us, but then we need to be willing to walk through the doorway, wrestle in that space with the who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's entering and engaging. When we don't do that, we end up staying on the outside, hearing, but never perceiving. So let's take this, let's apply this to a very specific application around one parable, one of the parables that Jesus told. I want to just, we're we're framing the journey for us in this whole series, so let's take these questions, apply it to a parable, and see what we can learn. I joked earlier that Jesus responded to the the disciples' question with a parable, but he actually does. He gives a parable, because it goes on to say when we look in Scripture into verse 24 is where he does that. So let's take a look at this parable, and I invite you to listen with the eyes and ears of those six questions. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. All right, so there's the parable. We've got the questions. Let's just do a basic run-through of these questions to see if we're entering and engaging into this story, into this parable. The first question is the who, and, and, and the, that's the audience. So the audience, actually, we got to go all the way back to verse 2 in Matthew 13 and find out it's the group, it's the, it's the crowd, because Jesus doesn't leave the crowd until verse 36, which is interesting then, because the conversation he had with the disciples was either in front of everybody or at least a hushed sidebar in the boat. The first, first question is who, and that's the people. The what is the kingdom. And at first somebody can say, well, it's, it's about the man. The man is the kingdom. No, the kingdom is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And it reveals a present reality and a future reality. When we get to the when piece, it's, it's first century. It's an agrarian culture. It's the Jewish people. It's the, it's the people of Galilee. Which then takes us to where does this fall if that's the when? Well, it happens after the parable of the sower, after the question about why do you tell parables, and before the parable of the mustard seed. And if we continue in the questions, it's the why question. Well, what prompted it? Well, in part, the disciples' question about why he used parables is one. But in reality, we need to get to the how question. And that how question can be about a group or it can be for an individual. But it takes us back to the importance of prayer. It takes us back to being able to ask God, saying, Lord, I want to understand this. I want to know how I'm supposed to live as a result. And the whole thing, reading every parable, is an opportunity to go deeper. Now, that's fast, and that's a skim through the six questions, but I think you get the point for how we can actually enter into a parable and not just stay on the outside. 
I want to encourage you to take your own time to dig even deeper into this parable this week in your quiet time. Now, I've already hooked you up, though. I've set you up to succeed because this is one of those parables Jesus explains. (laughs) And we're going to jump to verse 36 to see how that all plays out. So let's take a look. So then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. I mean, this is incredibly helpful. He's digging down deep. He's explaining it all very specifically. But then he says, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Who's ever willing to actually listen and enter and engage, let them do so. Now, you can continue to process those six questions on your own, but I want to highlight two things that Jesus did in this parable. One is that he explains a spiritual reality while raising awareness that how we live now matters. How we live today has a ripple into eternity. But he also articulated that his love for those who follow him allows complexity in life. His love for us creates a space where there is both good among evil. Where bad things happen in, around, to good people. Yet he affirms that that space creates the time and opportunity for people to turn to him and for us to mature in our relationship with him. Those with eyes to see and ears to hear, let them hear and see. Those who are spiritually sensitive, respond to the truth. See, often I think the problem is in in the space that he's describing is that we complain. We complain to God that he allows the complexity of good and evil and, and evil things in this world and bad things to happen to good people. When in reality, we'd be better served to praise him. Because in doing so, in allowing and creating that space, He's demonstrating his love for us. He's allowing us to grow in maturity. He's allowing those who have not yet chosen him to choose him. It's a better and greater chance for a a bigger spiritual harvest. And if you harden your heart towards God because of the weeds, you will be ever hearing, never perceiving. If you harden your heart towards Jesus and the need to receive him as Savior... If you harden your heart thinking you cannot be forgiven, that he won't forgive you, or that you're unwilling to give him the authority in your life that he asks, you will be ever hearing, never perceiving. It is the love of God that allows us to engage at a deeper level. And spiritually sensitive people have eyes to see and ears to hear. They receive truth. They allow it to transform them. And the parables of Jesus are designed to create a doorway for us to engage with God, to engage with him. They tell us about ourselves, they tell us about God, they tell us about our journey with him, and they offer a way for us to be on the path to right standing before him. That only comes through Jesus, but we have to enter in. Here's what I want to do as we step further into our series. I want to create a moment that serves as a starting point for this journey. It's a moment that's at the doorway. And for some of us, it's just the opportunity to say, Lord, I want to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Give me your wisdom. Help me to be willing to enter in and engage with truth in a way that is transformational. 
For others, you're realizing that you've stood at a doorway before, you've heard the truth, but you've walked away. And the Holy Spirit's already convicting you. This is an opportunity to confess that and ask him to lead you into a new next. But I also realize for some here today, the doorway really is about the relationship with Jesus. You've not yet received him as Savior, not walked through the doorway into salvation where you experience relationship with God. And so this starting point today is an opportunity for you to do exactly that, to enter into relationship with God through Jesus. On the back of the note guide are three simple steps and a prayer that allow you to step through the doorway of Jesus into relationship with God. But what I want to do for all of us is create the space where however this connects and applies, that we do that, that we create the starting point as we move forward in the series. So we won't be a people of eyes, who don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. We don't just hear and never perceive. Because the deal is, there are weeds in life, and there will always be weeds in life, but people who are spiritually sensitive, who, eyes, who have eyes to see and ears to hear, they can live differently amidst those weeds. And if listening into the conversations of Scripture has felt weird to you, it might be a really good indication that you're trying to join the conversation without walking through the doorway. And you just need to enter. You just need to engage. So let's take a moment. Let's pray together as we prepare to step back into worship through song. Father, as we begin this journey uh, looking at a few parables of your son, I pray that you would speak clearly to us in each of those moments. Give us a posture of openness to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for hardened hearts uh, just for the things we've experienced or not understood. Whether we've encountered weeds in life and we felt like that was unfair or unjust and we've hardened our heart towards you and we've positioned ourselves not to, to truly move from hearing to listening. Forgive us for that. Help us to sit in a place where we're willing to enter and engage with truth in a way that is transforming. Your son is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Lord, I even pray for those who have not yet received him as Savior. I pray that right now they, they would just hear you whispering, even shouting your love to them and they would respond by entering through the doorway of Jesus Christ and into relationship with you. But as we as a church walk the journey through the parables, help us to engage and enter in the way you want us to. Help us to join that conversation well. And may you speak and lead in a way where you're pleased, where your purpose is accomplished, and, and where you're glorified in our lives. I love you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.